Stages 10, 11, and 12 all in the Alps following the rest day. All eyes were on Sky, expecting them to control the race from the start. In the end, we had a French winner on stage 10 that featured gravel. Greg Van Avermaet extending his overall lead and the sprinters barely making the time cut with only a small handful of GC hopefuls disappearing from the picture. The women tackled the Colombier and showed the world what an exciting finish could look like. Stage 11 was a completely different story with a new Tour de France stage winner, a new yellow jersey, and more than just a few hopefuls ending their podium chances in France. Basically, more of the same sky dominance over the field. Coming up, stages 10 and 11 recap, 2018 Tour de France. Welcome to the Between Two Wheels podcast. This is your host, Tyler Yonke, going over stages 10 and 11 of the Tour de France and also a little bit of the La Course uh, that also featured the same day as the Tour de France stage 10. Thanks for joining us today, and I hope you're enjoying the Tour recap as we've been cruising along here. So stage 10, stage 10, Annecy to La Grande Bernon, 159 kilometers. This was on Mon- uh, the following Monday. It was on a Tuesday following the Monday rest day. As we had mentioned before, we had five category climbs, a Cat 4, Cat 1, an HC, and then two Cat 1s, finishing with about a 20-kilometer skirt down the mountain to Le Grand Bournon. Cat 4, Col de Fluffet, 1.5 at 5.6. All these are pretty uh, mellow. The Col de la Croix Fry, 11.3K at 7%. Then they had the HC category, 6 kilometers at 11.2%. Pretty steep. Ending with a gravel section over the top, kind of a deserted area, a road where the French resistance used to hang out, I guess, and do some of their work. Uh, the Col de Rome at 8.8 kilometers of 8.9%. And then the Colombier, pretty famous rate, uh, mountain there in France, 7.5 kilometers at 8.55%. There's a sprint at 29. There's no bonuses. They don't have any more of those. The, the climb up to Colombier was going to be um, likely the one that was going to be the killer. Then we had stage 11, which was today. The final climb on there up to Rosaire was about 17K, and that was going to be the one that was going to be basically the determinant of the whole thing. Stage 11. Stage 11 started in Albertville, home of the Olympics a few years ago, several years ago now. Stage 11 finished at La Rosaire. Never hosted a tour finish there, but it has been used as a pass-through on the tour many times. La Rosaire was also used in this year's Dauphiné where Grant Thomas took the overall win. The stage was won by Pello Bilbao. Uh, the finish at La Grande Bornade, I just thought we'd mention that a few times. It's been The tour's been there. It was won in 2004 by Lance Armstrong, uh, 2007 by Linus Gerdeman, 2009 by Frank Schleck, 2013 by Rui Costa, and 18. Well, we'll get to that in a little bit. Most notably, the with Lance taking the win over Andres Cloden in 2004. This is a stage that showcased uh, Floyd Lambis, Landis as he was driving that group up the climb. Comes over and boss Lance Armstrong says, "Hey, take you know, st- uh, ride it like he stole it." Told him to basically take the win. He couldn't hold on. Lance ends, ends up beating uh, Andres Cloden in a sprint. Okay, so what are some highlights we have here going in uh, after stage nine? You had Jose Ro- uh, Jose Joaquin Rojas, a movie star, was a DNF from stage nine. Richie Port, Tony Martin, all Dean. He actually didn't start stage nine. Um, then ones that didn't start on stage ten were Alexis Villamos of AG2R and Jens Kukler of Lado Sudal. Still had the same jerseys, Squeens, Peter Sagan. And green, so on, uh, Carl Anderson in the white. The GC was of Greg Van Avermaet. 
and Lantern Rouge is still held out there by Lawson Craddock. Notables of the U.S., uh, T.J. Van Garderen had dropped down to 30th at 6.05, Chad Haga at 14.58, Ian Boswell 47, Taylor Finney 40, and Lawson Craddock at 1 hour 20th, 20 minutes, 167th in last place. Stage 10, you got the rest day. You never know how people are going to react. It's a warm day out there, beautiful scenery. Uh, start the stage and Green Jersey Sagan hits the brake and collects to intermediate sprint points, then basically sits up. It's a repeat of what he does actually for stage 11 as well. Uh, Greg Van Avermaet, however, gets in the brake himself. And he had mentioned this uh, over the rest day about maybe he'd be able to hold on, maybe he'd get in the brake. He does exactly that, and he does the yellow jersey pretty good. Um, he's able to hold on for the day. He actually increases his lead to about the three-minute range. He has about five minutes going into the last climb and ends up hanging on, gets his extension. But no one expects him to be going to, into the stage 11, actually to hold on after stage 11. So they're more than willing to give him that shot. What bad we saw was, uh, as far as BMC goes, T- uh, TJ Van Garderen gets end up sitting up, loses, I think, like 16 minutes on the day so his i don't know if he had planned at all to try to help for gc even with the loss on the uh, cobbles but he ends up losing a good amount and maybe he's sitting up for stage wins uh we had a stage 10 french winner julian alaphilippe he comes over the colombier he's he's in the break all day he's got teammates and and he's working pretty good uh, i think philip philip jobert was up there with him uh, he crests the Columbier with a lead and simply needed to hold on, I think, the next 20K. In the end, the, the quick step rider collected the win for France. He also moved into the polka dot jersey. It was a pretty good day for him, and maybe we'll be seeing him going for the polka dots uh, throughout the tour. It wasn't a good day for Rigo Uran. Uh, he lost, what, 5.59? He looked to be in a world of hurt from the previous day's crashes. Others losing connections. Bob Jungles lost a little bit. Bakamolama lost a little bit. Zacharin, Micah. Uh, Froome got a flat on the gravel section. You saw him trying to move up and around with his teammates. I guess Castor Viejo waited and then Castor Viejo wheel was flat as well. Interesting point. He had mentioned the day before that he was their team wasn't going to do anything to prepare for the, the gravel. No bike changes, nothing, no special wheels. And then he's actually the one that has the flat. But you also see this too, is he always has a lot of teammates around him. So therefore, anytime he's getting, which he does get a lot of mechanicals. And when he gets those mechanicals, he's got a team around him to, to help. All right, stage 11. And by the way, stage 10, there wasn't much action other than just the sky train pulling at the front, everyone hanging on. And those who couldn't hang on got dispatched out the back. And when they got dispatched out the back, that's kind of, you know, there was some holding close. You got, like I said, Mullama and a few of these hanging around. Uh, But it wasn't due to attacks. It was just due to riding them off the wheels. Next, uh, stage 11, we saw TJ gets in the break. Uh, Bargui gets in the the break, who had sat up, who actually he had attacked the previous day and then gets passed by the group and then just sits up. So I don't know what his whole point is there, but uh, Warren Bargui looks to be trying to go for stages or maybe he's also going to be trying to rack up the points for the king of the mountains. As today, TJ makes the break, as does Caruso, his teammate. TJ gets dumped out of there. Bargui ends up going up the road. Um, You had Greg Van Avermet coming off the back. Valverde at some point, I think it's a third to last climb of the day as a short stage day, what, 100, just 108 kilometers or somewhere in their range. Um, Valverde jumps out of the third to last climb and he ends up bridging up to his teammate Soler, who had come out of the group 
and they get uh, about a little over a minute on the sky train and uh, during this time iran gets popped out the back as well so iran gets moved out his teams obviously had packed it in for him for the whole race and as soon as the mountains are hitting you know second place overall last year having a really tough time in this one then we see coming over the Second to last climb today, Dumoulin attacks on the downhill with his uh, trusty teammate Soren Craig Anderson, and they just kind of roll off the group and go, and they are looking to bridge up to uh, Valverde, and there's like a 30-second gap between Dumoulin and Valverde, and then Val- uh, Dumoulin to the, to the group, led by Sky. They have still a fairly good group ahead. Um you had up front uh, Nieve from Mitchelton Scott. He goes out of the break. He's got Caruso and Bargui with him. And just as they're kind of taking up the road on the break, uh, Nieve attacks out of the group just as his teammate Yates is getting dropped from the field behind. So you have coming into the last 5, five 6K, um, you have Dumoulin with Valverde. Now they've gotten rid of all their teammates. Those two are going, and Tom Dumoulin hits the climb. It's a 17-kilometer climb. And you have in the back, the group keeps getting wheeled down. It's got Froome. It's got Thomas. They've now dispatched all of their teammates. And it's just those two left. Kreuzwick, Roglic. So you have two Lotto NL Jumbo guys. You have Landa, Quintana. And up the road is Valverde. Kwiatkowski still actually in there. About 5.7. But he comes off right as uh, Thomas takes a an attack uh, about the five-kilometer point. Uh, Froome just watches. He watches and Bardet tries to go a little bit. Froome gets on his wheel. And now you've got this weird situation where Thomas is making vast stretches of road up to catch up to uh, Dumoulin, who's now gotten rid of Valverde. So Dumoulin's up the road. Thomas is attacking and he goes up quick, very quick. And the guys behind, they're not uh, making a concerted effort to get him. They're just, they start doing a bunch of attacking and Froome's just sitting there. He, he even tries to attack himself a few times as a little. So as you have this weird tension that now you have Thomas up the road, he's going to be the yellow Jersey. If, even if the group all ends up together, but then you have Froome behind and he's just itching to go. He looked like you can tell he looks good. He's closing gaps quite easily. And, but, he can't do, he's got to do the team thing too. You can't just go up the road. So the guy that attacks first is kind of the, the, the one that does this the best. I remember seeing this, what was it, years ago with the Schleck brothers when they had Carlos Sastra and he would go up the road and then they couldn't, they had to just kind of sit there. I think it was on Alpe Wes. You've seen this over and over uh, years when you have multiple teammates and they've got to do the right thing and not bring anybody with him. The good part for Froome, though, is he was looking spry enough where he just knew at some point he was going to try to bridge across either solo or go with someone. About 3K, right before that spot, Dan Martin's getting uh, pushed off of the back. And these guys, you got Quintana, uh, Nibali, and Bardet, who all three of them make moves to go up the road, but they do it one shot at a time. They'll hit the, the front hard. Everyone comes with them. They look around, everyone's there, and then they just sit up. So you don't have any concerted effort. And then you don't have any help from Kreuzwick and or Roglic. They're just doing their, they're just happy to be there and hanging on. So what it really looks like is these guys are all prepared to race for the podium and not to, to get up to Garrett Thomas. Now you don't know what Thomas is gonna do overall because he hasn't shown that he can do anything overall. But, you know, you got to be a little uh, worried about him as it is. At this point, 3K to go, Dan Martin makes his catch, and then he comes right through the group and attacks. It's 
uh, K to go. It was a perfect spot for uh, Froome, actually, because Froome, he couldn't get rid of anybody else. He was stuck in this spot. He connects, and he goes up with Dan Martin. But Dan Martin does something that the others haven't done, which is he keeps a consistent pace, and he keeps drilling it on the front. Martin is lower on GC. Froop can go with him and probably attack out of him later. Behind, you've got Nibbly not working. Bardet comes to the front. He puts in some extra efforts again, sits up. Same with the two lot of jumbo guys. They're not doing anything. 3K, it's the same thing. Quintana making another move. Elbows for the guys to come through. Nothing. Uh, 2.8 kilometers to go. Froom finally takes over for Martin, and he basically comes to the front, and he's doing some good work trying to catch him up ahead. Uh, Dan Martin comes to the front again, and at 1K, you have finally um, Chris Froome attacks out of there, and he's trying to, and he's gapping up to, he's just about 15 seconds or so off from the Thomas Dumoulin group, and he's, and Caruso, I think, is with them as well, and he starts going up. Meanwhile, Nieve looks to basically have 1K left, and he looks to be having the, the win in the bag. But right before Froome connects up there, so about 500 meters to go. Thomas attacks. He leaves Dumoulin and Caruso just as Froome is about to make connection. Dan Martin still battling behind. Thomas flies up, catches Nieve at 250, drills it past him, goes across the line for the win and the yellow jersey. Nieve just resigns himself to sitting up as Froome just gets pipped on the line by Dumoulin, followed closely by Dan Martin at seven seconds back. Nibali, Bardet, Quintana, Rodrick all come in 58 seconds behind Thomas with Kroizuk at 106, Landa, Bernal at all just following uh, behind there as well. Some of the big losers on the day, you had Iran, Adam Yates got dispatched, Fugelson, Zacharin. Your top 10 though, Garrett Thomas, Tom Dumoulin 20 seconds behind, Chris Froome same time, 22 seconds was Damiano Caruso who had been in the break all day, Mikel Neve at 22 seconds, Dan Martin at 27, uh, Jesus Herrada at 57, Roman Bardet at 59 with Nibali and Nairo Quintana. So your overall GC picture uh, is Garrett Thomas in the yellow jersey, Chris Froome at 125 behind, Dumoulin at 144, Vincenzo Nibali 214, Primoz Rojic at 223, Steven Kreuzwick 240, Landa 7th place 256, Bardet 258 at 8th place, Nairo and Dan Martin tied for 9th and 10th at 316. So just kind of giving a breakdown. Let's, Let's do some gameplay here. So if you have... If Garrett Thomas truly is going to succumb to Chris Froome and the rest, uh, which he kind of mentioned today, hey, you know, my, my day's great. Uh, tour can go do whatever. I'm just happy that I've made it here. But I think he's a day-by-day guy, and I think he'll be fine. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how the team fares out. But let's just say he he dissipates here. You've got Chris Froome, 125. So take 125 off of everybody. I mean, Dumoulin is 20 seconds behind Froome. Nibali is inside a minute. Uh, Rojlik is uh, right at a minute, right inside a minute, 58 seconds behind Froome. Kreuzwick is right at a uh, minute 20, minute 10. So those are all real tight grouping for the top six there. And actually the top 10 being up to 316. If you take a minute and a half off of that, you know, you're talking about two minutes or so. So uh, pretty good. All right. Winners and losers on the day. First of all, Team Sky and Froome, they have to be pretty happy thomas gets the win they get in the yellow jersey 
uh, Froome's in second place. They're all they're looking good on the outside. We'll see how that all breaks down uh, internally, especially with Bradley Wiggin making comments about how Brailsford likes to steer the pot, and perhaps there's some issues there. Also, a lot of NL Yumble with Roglic and Kreuzwick both making the top six and holding on to the front group. Pretty good for them today. Losers on the day, though. There's so many. There's Molema, Iran, Yates. Mitchell and Scott had a really bad day. So near the win with Nieve. Yates having another disastrous day and their hopes basically all in the toilet. Gives rise, though, to the decision to leave Caleb Ewing behind. They, I mean, they went all in for Yates and you have just one bad spot. It could ruin the entire tour and come away with nothing. They almost got the stage win, but, you know, they don't get that. They don't have any wins, and there's a good chance that Caleb Ewing could have got uh, a, a win or two, and especially we'll talk about to, uh, to some sprinters that did not make the time cut today. Next, that's up on my list. Sprinters and that team's not making the time cut. You had Cavendish, Cadell, and uh, Renshaw all missed the cut. Uh, Rick Zobel sprinted across the line, but he, and he missed the cut by four seconds, only then later to be added in by the jury in their, their mercy. So you got these sprinters, and look, maybe these three – not not Renshot. Well, he's been helping Cavendish, but they they've been horrible. So maybe they're kind of doing them a favor by you know missing the cut anyway because they've been stinking it up in the sprints. And at least this way, maybe they have a a nice way to bow out and not uh, not not show us how pathetic they've been in in the sprinting later on in the tour. Things that make you go, hmm. Teams that stack their GC hopes and just ride completely in defense of this goal. I mean, they risk everything. We had EF education first. And remember back in the cobbles, they had multiple riders up in the front. They had Taylor Finney. They had Seth Van Mark. Those are both guys that can ride for the cobbles and ride for the win. And so the fact that they both had to sit up and come back for Rigo at the time, they lost their chance. Obviously, Rigo, they didn't even get him back up to the front, but they lost their chance at getting a, a, an amazing win on the day. You never know what Sepp Van Mark could have done or even Taylor Finney on the day. Some other things that make you think. Thomas and Froome still being the leader. So here's some comments from um, Garrett Thomas after today. Obviously, Froomey is the leader. He's won six grand tours. For me, it's an unknown. I'm just trying to get through the stage, stay in position we were in at least, and not lose time on GC. Froomey knows how to win a three-week race. He's still the leader. For me, whatever happens now, it has been a successful tour. It's been an amazing feeling to win the stage and take the jersey. I'm super happy with that, Thomas said. Obviously, I'd love to stay up on the podium as long as possible, but the main thing is winning, and Froomey is the best chance. There's still half the race to go. Okay, so one problem is is where do they use obviously a little bit overboard there. But um, you know, he, I don't know if he's, I don't know what the purpose of this is. If he's just talking about basically uh, talking a game and you know seeing what it is, but you know he does have a good point. He hasn't he hasn't developed into seeing him for three weeks being on. He's always he's been hit by a motorcycle. He's been. Uh, you know, had some bad days. So there's still that, look, we were looking at the Giro and we saw Simon Yates going full bore and there was nothing that was going to stop him except for he blew up in the end quite mightily. Although I must say, showing him blowing up, showing today blowing up with uh, Adam Yates uh, and then you don't see the Sky guys necessarily do that. Something about that. Maybe as Kurt would say, it's the marginal gains. I'm not sure. All right, another thing here, Dan Martin. He says riders are scared of Sky. Dan Martin was losing contact today after Thomas took off at the five kilometers to go. He he not only fought back, but he attacked, you know, 3K to go to springboard Froome. 
and, and almost, you know, look, almost got him to catching Thomas in the end, but, but he did get him to catch Dumoulin and just got overtaken by him at the finish. Dan's attack itself, though, wasn't a fleeting effort. I mean, he actually hit the gas and then continued to pull all the way, getting sporadic assistance from Froome uh, from 2K in. I mean, once at the 1K mark, Froome then obviously left Dan, but Dan was still able to hold on and only lost seven seconds in the end to Froome. But Dan's consistent pace in the last three kilometers was very impressive, and it was very helpful to bring the group back and staying clear of those behind. I mean, if you compare Dan Martin and to Bardet, Quintana, and Nibali, it was not that surprising that the latter three did not make any headway and allowed Froome to go clear. Their attacks before Dan hit it hard, and then they would just sit up and pull off. I mean, no, nothing sustained at all. All these shots uh, were taken while Thomas was just up the road, and, and it gave Froome a chance to just sit on and then go with Dan in the end. Bardet, Nibali, Quintana, again, they all rode in a manner that gets them a podium, but not the top step. Dan, he might get a top step. He might get a podium. He might get neither, but at least he's got a shot at the top step with the way he's riding, unlike these other guys. All right, so what's coming up? Tomorrow? I don't know, one, maybe the one of the best stages ever. Uh, anytime it ends up up the way, it's always a cool day. Uh, stage 12, Borg Saint-Maurice to La Alpe d'Huez, 175 kilometers. You have four categorized climb, one intermediate sprint, and a mountain full of drunk cycling fans. HC, first they go up the KHC category, uh, Col de la Madeleine. It's pretty famous. Check out these distances on these climbs coming into to the Alpe d'Huez too. 25.3 kilometers at 6.2%. So we've been doing a lot of, I mean, today was up the Rosario. It was a 17K, which was about as long as you're going to have so far. But now 25K at 6.2, starting at the 36 kilometer and summiting at 53K in. Cat 2 then at the Lassets de Montevernier. 3.4 kilometers at 8.2%. So just a mere little, that's why it's a cat too. And it comes about the 79 to 83 kilometer range in the race. Then you go two HC climbs. You have the Col de Clodefe. That's a pretty famous one. 29 kilometers at 5.2%. Summits at the 121 kilometer point. Then the Alpe d'Huez, 13.8 kilometers, 8.1%. Finished as 175.5 kilometers with 21 hairpin switchback turns. We had a sprint uh, which comes at around 91, 92 kilometers. It's between the HC, the first HC, and the Cat 2. So we'll see if uh, Peter uh, Sagan could even get there. I don't know that he's too concerned. That's why he's probably gobbling up those ones he had today. Okay, so we have one of the most iconic Famous climbs in Tour de France history with every climber salivating at the thought of even being able to, to be there as a stage winner. Uh, the Tour is already cool gearing up. I mean, you had, remember the teammate issue in 1986, Le Mans and Nino. even had Wiggins and Froome, I think, 2011. But uh, in 86, Alpe d'Huez was kind of a key day in that whole race. You saw Le Mans and Nino coming across hand in hand. Le Mans said afterwards that he could have, you know, taken a bunch of time out of Nino. They let Nino crawl across the line first and then you had you know uh, taming the badger and all that that stuff that goes into there all right so tune in tomorrow for the Alpe d'Huez we'll try to do a break you know there's been some who are your favorite climbers that have won up there Andy Hampson's one up there that's been cool I don't know if you remember uh the pick the one where the guy ran into the uh photographer I almost think also that Robert Miller uh, went the wrong direction up that climb at one point. They pointed him down the road where the cars go rather than uh, to the finish. Uh, so there's been some excitement up there. A uh, lot of good, lot of good racing. Okay, the course yesterday. 
there were 20 teams, 112 participants, four categorized climbs, doing over similar to the, of, as the men. The first climb, they skipped the two middle ones. They had the two separate ones of their own. The uh, valley climb that they did, uh, not a climb, but a ride through the valley. And then the big Columbier that they did, 7.5 kilometers, 8.5%. You had Van Vluten and Van der Bruggen. They had an amazing duel. Surpasses most of the stages that the men have had done to date. Uh, Save for stage nine, perhaps. But the fight at the Columbia was pretty intense. And the field was really shattered. Van Vluten looked to be the strongest most of the way at the climb. However, Van der Bruggen then went over the top with a good gap. They come down uh, the last... You're looking at, what, 20K there. Coming down, there's about a 30-second gap. And then coming in the last few K, it's getting shorter and shorter. And then there's a kicker up of about the last 250 meters or so. And, you know, we're just 200 meters. There, uh, Van Vluten's still off the back. But she digs in, claws her way, and then sprints maybe the last 20, 30 meters, catches her, and then drops her, right? I mean, it was just went right through her big post up. Pretty amazing, really good win. You had uh, those two in the one two. You had Ashley Moolman Paisio, uh, second place at 122. Uh, Megan Garnier of the US, Bulls Doman at 219 for fifth place. Cassie Neuadoma, sixth. Uh, Katie Hall, 222 back for seventh. Amanda Spratt in eighth. There was, I think it was the Cecile uh, Utrup Ludwig of Denmark. There was, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if it was her or her teammate. Uh, that had quite the interview afterwards. So look, I, I'll say this: I love the women racing. That that race was especially good to watch. It was it was awesome the, the finish. But if I have to endure post race emotions like this, uh, this girl didn't win. Her teammate did well. Her teammate got on the podium, and she was so ecstatic and, and crying for minutes, going on for minutes. Um, if I have to endure that, that it might set me back on my um, watching the women's race. I'm just maybe say that all right so that's episode 81 of the between two wheels podcast cycling news commentary analysis and interviews from northern california and we have been doing the tour de france recap continuing that on as always subscribe and share the show via itunes stitcher podbeam whatever pod and whatever podcast service you use for this week also check out our youtube channel we're just posting some of the audio there we'll try to get back in gear with doing some video however interact with us on our facebook page by searching between two wheels in the links and they will also be shown in the show notes of the description of this feed thanks everybody hope you enjoy the tour viva la france all right everybody thanks again for tuning in today we'll see you after stage 12 see who the winner is up on the top of the Alpe looking for some conflict uh, with this uh, sky issue